Welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. My name is Holly Samuel, and I am a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and master of health education with a focus in eating disorders, and I am your host today. In this podcast, we talk all things nutrition for runners, improving your relationship with food and exercise, and becoming a lifelong injury-proof runner. Now let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's episode on the fall race season series of the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. Today, we're going to be covering um, a highly, highly sought out topic, um, which is taper nutrition. So we're going to be talking all about Um, how to kind of adjust your nutrition during your taper, what things to consider in the days leading up to your goal race, um, and how to carbo load properly if you should carbo load properly and other things to think about. So again, just as a disclaimer, um, while I am a registered dietitian, I am not necessarily your registered dietitian or healthcare provider or coach unless we are, of course, working together and you're also listening to my voice on this podcast. You just must like me if that's the case. Um, So just make sure that you are reviewing any of these general recommendations with your dietitian or with your um, healthcare provider prior to implementing them if you have questions focused on you specifically. So let's get into taper nutrition. So first off, what even is the taper? (laughs) So when we're talking about a traditional taper period. It generally talks about the time period between your peak week of your um, training plan and that time period leading up to your race. So typically for a marathon, um, the taper period is about three weeks long. For a half marathon, it's about two weeks long. And then for some of your shorter distances like 5k, 10k, or goal mile race, it's um, one week or even just a couple of days. So the taper period can kind of vary Um, just to keep things consistent across the board. We're mostly going to be talking about um, the full marathon in this episode um, and the half marathon as well. So when it comes to the purpose of a traditional taper, the purpose is typically to allow your body to recover. So if you've listened to other episodes in my fall race season series, um, you know that hay is in the barn, you know, after your peak week of training. And while we can't really put more hay in the barn leading up to your race, we can definitely sabotage ourselves. So the taper is definitely not a time period where we want to try and test our fitness or gain more fitness because it's not really possible to do. And our main focus should be on recovery. It should be on increasing our glycogen stores, especially for races that are going to be longer than two to two and a half hours plus. And we're going to do this by strategically decreasing our mileage over the course of the taper period and by implementing some specific nutrition strategies, which is, of course, what we'll talk about today. So your taper should primarily be focused on recovering from your training and getting you in the best you know, form possible for race day. It should not be about gaining any fitness or testing your fitness or doing anything out of the ordinary. So... Throughout your training cycle, um, if you've kind of fine-tuned your nutrition for that based off of what's recommended, you should find that you know, you're getting adequate calories to fuel your training and that about 45 to 65% of those calories are coming from carbohydrates and you're adjusting your meals based off of what training you're either completing that day or planning to complete 
the next day or recovering from from the day before. We're not going to get too much in the nitty gritty of that since this is about taper nutrition, but that's what your body should essentially be used to. You should have trained your gut throughout training to tolerate this and to get you feeling your best. So when it comes to taper nutrition, we can make some slight tweaks that aren't going to feel too drastic. Um, If you're coming into this episode and you're like, oh, I definitely haven't figured out my nutrition. I definitely don't know if I'm eating enough. I don't know if my carb intake is enough and you're not sure, now's not really necessarily the time to drastically change anything of what you're doing. Um, But know that what I do say about taper nutrition in the days leading up to your race can be applied to you, Um, you know, even if you've never practiced it before, but you should have practiced it in your peak weeks of training, especially so that you already know what you're doing. So if you're listening to this in your peak weeks of training, start practicing these recommendations now so you can fine tune it for race week. So essentially, we're not necessarily increasing our calories or changing what we're doing from a fueling standpoint around the taper. What we are doing is making sure that in the days leading up to your race, especially um, that more of those calories, like 65 to even 75% plus are coming from carbohydrates. So we're not necessarily eating more food, but we are eating more food from carbohydrates and we're changing the composition of our meals to support this, Um, especially in the two to three days pre-race for something that's going to take you two, two and a half hours plus, or if you're maybe running a half marathon, that's like, you know, sub two, two and a half hours. Um, This could even just be the day before your race, but males, females of all categories and all phases of their cycles can practice proper carbo loading. So to start with this, um, about two to three days before a marathon or one to two days before a half marathon, just generally speaking, is when we're going to want to start carbo loading, which is going to be basically increasing your carb intake to 10 to 12 grams per kilogram of body weight. So if we are a 150 pound person, we're going to divide 150 pounds by 2.2 to get our pounds into kilograms. And then we're going to multiply that by 10 and then by 12. And that is your range. So that is essentially, you know, 544 to 816 grams of carbohydrates in the two to three days pre-race. So that's about 12 bagels worth of carbohydrates. So just to put that into context for a 150 pound person on average, that might be a lot more carbohydrates than you're used to eating. So that's why it's really good to practice in order to make these guidelines fit. And of course, we are carbo-loading to top off our glycogen stores, which are really needed for events that are going to last longer than two hours, like the half and full marathon for a lot of people. Unless you're like Elliot Kipchoge, then maybe this doesn't apply, (laughs) but he still carbo-loads. So from a glycogen standpoint, glycogen is essentially stored carbohydrate in our bodies that our liver and our muscles store. Uh, the average person, now this varies a little bit, but the average person has about 2,000 calories of stored glycogen in their liver and muscles throughout their body. And for every one gram of glycogen we store, we store it with about three grams of water. So If your glycogen stores are totally topped off, which is what we want them to be like in proper taper nutrition leading up to your race, you might feel like a little fluffy. You might feel like your muscles are a little less defined. You might be feeling like a a jet sitting super heavy on the tarmac because it's super loaded up with fuel. And this is actually a good thing. So during your taper, it's really not a good idea to be obsessed with the scale. It's really not a good idea to be weighing yourself, expecting to lose weight definitely not the time for a caloric deficit. You will 
absolutely shoot yourself in the foot, whether it's during your race or in an injury after your race, if you try to attempt that. And it is the time to focus on recovery. When our bodies are in a phase of deep healing during the taper, where we're really recovering from all that training we did, trying to heal ourselves up before a race, um, a lot of the times people might feel like phantom pains or um, other aches and pains and just feel really tired. And that's a sign that your body's trying to heal itself. When your body is trying to heal itself on a deeper perspective, where maybe it has more time to do this during the taper, because we have backed off the mileage a little bit. Um, this may come with, you know, some inflammation, which, you know, can lead to water weight gain. We're trying to top off our glycogen stores, or we're also retaining water and gaining a couple of pounds there. It can cause someone to really freak out <laughs> when they step on the scale during the taper and think, oh my God, I reduced my mileage. You know, I need to, I need to really up the ante or I'm gaining weight. And that's, that's actually okay. So don't worry too much about weight changes during the taper, unless of course you're losing a lot of weight, then that's not good either. So recommend just, you know, I usually recommend anyway, staying away from the scale, but especially during the taper, it's a good idea to stay away from the scale. Um, so when we come back to carbo loading, you know, again, we can maximize how much glycogen our bodies are capable of storing, um, over proper carbo loading during our training. So if you've never practiced this before, um, you know, you may not quite have a large enough cup to store that 2000 plus calories of glycogen. Um, when we kind of practice this consistently over the course of our peak weeks of training, this allows our bodies to essentially have deeper pockets when it comes to how much glycogen we can store. So it is important to practice to really maximize this. And that's why you can feel a little extra fluffy on race day because your body's storing more glycogen than maybe it's been capable of storing in the past. So doing this too um, in our training really allows us to make sure that our body's comfortable eating that many carbohydrates. We're maybe strategizing where those carbs are coming from. Maybe we're using higher glycemic sources sometimes, so lower fiber sources, so that we're not experiencing too much GI distress or that we're not filling up too early because of the fiber before we've met our needs. Um, so this is where, you know, more processed foods sometimes, like, you know, your refined grains, um, you know, cereals, white breads, white rices, um, those can actually be helpful when it comes to carbo loading, because we can eat more of them and get down that, you know, five to 800 grams a little bit easier um, than trying to get it through fruits and vegetables um, and whole grains that just contain a lot of fiber and can make it really challenging. Something I've been doing with a lot of my clients in the past few weeks is having them practice their, you know, carbo loading fueling strategy before some of their peak long runs in the day or two leading up to that long run. Um, and I will kind of have them, you know, tell me, tell me everything that they plan to eat that's going to be more carb rich for their breakfast, their lunch, their dinner, their snacks, their fluids, um, based off of their carb needs. So if I said, Hey, you know, you need 600 grams to probably, probably properly can't talk 600 grams of carbs to properly carbo load for your 20 mile or tomorrow. So where are you going to get 600 grams of carbohydrates? We need to really make sure that your meals and snacks are primarily carbohydrates. So what are you going to do? And they'll usually list off to me the most carb dense things they can think of when it comes to their meal options that they've, you know, practiced in training or are comfortable having. They'll list off some snacks. I'll kind of say, okay, well, that's going to get you to about 250 grams of carbohydrates. So how are we going to get to 600 from there? And they're usually like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? <laughs> I'm already, 
exhausting my options. I already feel like this is more food than I'm used to eating. So this is really something that takes practice. And if you can't quite hit that carb gram, you know, recommendation that I said, like that 10 to 12 grams per kilogram, it's okay. Just, just work your way up to it. You know, try to eat more than you did last time. Try to keep getting your body used to the process of carbo loading. Cause it can be a bit forced feeling and a bit uncomfortable for a lot of people. And if you have any barriers around your mindset around food, it can make things even harder for you. So, you know, just kind of working your way up. If you're currently, you know, if you're eating 250 grams of carbohydrates, for example, and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, this feels like so many carbohydrates, you know, maybe next time try to get to 300 and then next time try to get to 350 and slowly increase your way up until you've met the bare minimum of what's recommended. So a lot of the times after this happens with a client, they're like, yeah, I, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Help. <laughs> um, I'll kind of state some tips that might help them depending on what's most realistic, which could be, you know, doing less fiber, doing less protein and getting just more of your calories from carbs. And again, we're talking about a day or two. We're not talking about changing your whole diet around because a lot of the times people will say, oh, that doesn't sound that good. <laughs> um, but it's just a day. You can do it. Um, so a lot of the times we'll talk about that, or we'll talk about getting their carbohydrates from liquid sources, um, like sports drinks and juices and those types of things. Or we'll talk about just eating really frequently throughout the day so that they're not ever eating large quantities of food in one sitting and getting too full too early. And this is why too, it can be helpful to start carbo loading two to three days in advance so that you can do it a bit more gradually. Hey, everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to thank our sponsor for this episode, which is Koala Clip. I don't know about you, but I really like running with my phone. I just like having it on me for safety reasons and also so I can listen to my music, have access to GPS if I get lost. Um, and I don't like carrying my phone, um, but the best way that I've found to carry it in the past three years is through using Koala Clip. If you are looking for a solution to carry your phone on you, your fuel, your keys, credit card, whatever it is, in a way that basically makes you forget you're carrying it because it's so gosh darn comfortable, <laughs> you need a Koala Clip. I have the solution for you. So I've been using Koala Clip for probably four years now. It's come with me through several marathons, half marathons, and you guys, I always forget it's there because it's just so darn comfortable. So essentially, Koala Clip is a little water-resistant pouch with a magnetic hook on it, and you put whatever you need to put in your pouch, like your phone, and they fit all kinds of phone sizes. There's different sizes of Koala Clips, your keys, your credit card, whatever it is. And you essentially place the koala clip between your sports bra and your back. And the hook just hooks right over the top of your sports bra or short. And you guys, it does not move. You forget it's there. And it's truly amazing. It doesn't matter how sweaty you are. If it's downpouring rain, whatever is in your koala clip will stay dry. Trust me, this is <laughs> tried and true by a dedicated user. And it's washable. So you can just throw it in the wash um, whenever you feel the need to clean it up. So I want you guys to try this out if you're looking for a way to safely and effectively carry your phone, fuel, keys, whatever it is. And I want you to do it at a discount because, you know, we're friends here and 
it's just really important to me that you can carry things in a comfortable way. So head over to kalalaclip.com or the link in the show notes. They've got a bunch of other products too, like these cute sports bras with, you know, phone pockets in them, a bunch of different types of koala clips, different colors, designs, and sizes. And use code FITCOOKIE10. That again, go to koalaclip.com and use code FITCOOKIE10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. Now let's get back to today's guest. So in terms of summarizing our taper nutrition here, typically we want to maintain normal adequate calorie intake. Um, We want to increase the percent of our calories that come from carbohydrates, especially in the two to three days pre-marathon using tried and true methods that we've practiced in training. That could be 10 to 12 grams per kilogram of body weight for a proper carbo load per day. Note that glycogen is stored with water and that can make you feel fluffy and that can be a good thing. So if you've arrived to the start line of your marathon feeling a little fluffy, you're doing it right. Good job. You're going to use those glycogen stores. Um, You're going to still need to fuel that run with, you know, fueling on the run strategies, but you're going to have topped off glycogen stores and you're going to be able to actually get to your destination. Um, There have been some studies on like fat adapted marathoners because people will often say, well, if fat breaks down into energy or ATP, it breaks down into, you know, 107 ATP versus the 29 to 38 ATP that we get from carbohydrates. But know that the fat oxidation process is typically a lot slower. Um, If you are fat adapted, your fat oxidation process is a little bit more efficient, but it's still much slower than an adapted carb oxidation process. So there's some studies to show that if we were just fat adapted, you know, that marathon may take you six hours, you know, off of that energy um, versus, you know, doing more carbohydrates and being able to run a marathon faster. So if you're someone who is going for a really long time, five, six hours plus, um, or maybe you're doing an ultra race and you're not trying to really push the intensity at all, you're just out there to see how much time you can spend on your feet. Know that carbohydrates are still going to be important, but there is going to be a little bit of nuance to this carbo loading um, recommendation during your taper, depending on what you've been practicing and what works for you during your training. But if your goal is to really hammer a marathon or a half marathon and run it as fast as you're physically capable, um, then carbo loading is going to be really important for you. And also, we want to think about hydration. So we want to be well hydrated throughout our taper. It's also going to help us recover properly like we're supposed to be doing during our taper. And I also recommend typically making sure you're really hydrated well the day or two before your goal race so that you're arriving to the day of your goal race in a state of you hydration or being optimally hydrated, meaning You've taken in plenty of fluid and you've also maybe sodium loaded a little bit the day before. Typically, I'll recommend and I'll practice myself too. someone take at least one serving of electrolytes the day before their goal race, um, even if they didn't sweat that day, even if it's not hot out. Um, but just making sure that we are properly, you know, sodium loaded. Um, there are some studies to show in men and women that just arriving in a state of you hydration or being, you know, properly hydrated can be helpful. So again, we don't just want to take electrolytes and not drink enough water because that wouldn't be proper hydration. We want to make sure we're doing both. So typically that can look like half your body weight in ounces in water or more. Um, For most people, that's probably going to be like an 80 to 100 ounce range that's really serving them best. 
We also might want to consider reducing our fiber intake in the few days pre-race. So for some people, I actually have to have them really cut out fiber, you know, from vegetables um, or, you know, even just reducing their fiber intake by cooking their vegetables, um, not doing anything raw, doing, you know, fruits that don't upset their stomach, switching from whole grains to refined grains um, to reduce their fiber intake you know, in a week leading up to the race, or sometimes it's just for the day before, depends on the person. But this is something to consider as well if you're more prone to GI distress. Hydration is really important to consider as well if you're prone to GI distress, because one of the biggest contributors to that is actually dehydration. So making sure you're well hydrated and making sure that you have less fiber in your life might be helpful. Um, Someone could also consider, you know, increasing the inflammatory or I'm sorry, anti-inflammatory foods in their diet in the first week or two of the taper. Again, some of these foods are going to actually be higher in fiber and complexity and maybe would contraindicate what I just said about digestion. So focusing on these things, you know, in the first week or two of your taper and then the week of your race, you know, not worrying too much about focusing on these, but, and then definitely focusing on them the week after your race, (laughs) but things like, you know, omega-3 rich foods like salmon, nuts, seeds, sardines, tuna, um, doing like magnesium rich foods like nuts and seeds, whole grains, or dark leafy greens. You could also do antioxidant rich foods like, you know, berries, tart cherry juice, beets, um, and consuming plenty of quality protein with your meals and snacks. And still, you know, using that pre and post run fueling strategy that you've been practicing all training, even if your runs are shorter than they used to be. This is still important. This is not the time to skimp on the calories. Something else that can actually be really helpful um, is creatine. So again, I don't necessarily recommend doing this if you've never taken it before in your training. Um, But creatine loading can be helpful for power and speed. Um, It's not necessarily as helpful for endurance, um, but it can be helpful from feeling like your muscles have enough strength in them to perform well. So this is something that may not necessarily hurt a person, um, but it's definitely not necessary either. Creatine can be found in animal products. Basically, meats are the highest in creatine. Or you can do a NSF or informed choice certified supplement where Um, you know, it's free of any banned substances. What's actually in the ingredients is also represented on the ingredients list. That's what these seals mean. Um, So taking typically between three and six grams of creatine per day can be helpful when it comes to um, muscle power and speed. So this is something that you may consider implementing in your peak weeks of training and throughout the taper and pre-race. Keep in mind too, creatine is also stored with a little bit of water. So you may experience a little bit of increase on the scale from creatine as well. Um, When it comes to that, all the more reason to stay away from the scale if this is something that's triggering to you. Furthermore, to consider in your taper nutrition is, of course, getting adequate sleep and recovery since that's the main purpose here. And things that may help with that are decreasing your alcohol and caffeine intake. So This is kind of a controversial topic, and it really does depend on the person, but typically alcohol can be dehydrating. So, I mean, definitely avoid binge drinking or, you know, having alcohol in place of enough calories from food. You know, if it's taking up space in your diet where, 
you know, you could be reserving that space for high quality foods to help you recover, um, then that would be helpful. But some people do choose to reduce their alcohol intake in the taper and especially reduce it in the week leading up to their race. While other people may find, you know, a glass of wine, one serving of alcoholic beverage, which would be a glass of wine, you know, about six ounce glass of wine, 12 ounces of beer or a shot. Um, can help them, you know, relax and go to sleep. But typically more than that threshold actually can interfere with our sleep, our hydration and our recovery. So it's a pretty fine line to walk. Um, I personally have done both where I've had alcohol in my taper and then periods of time where I haven't really had alcohol in my taper. And I find the biggest difference is when I just avoid it for the week or two before my race. Um, that seems to make a really big difference for me personally. Um, but typically, if I, I'm not someone who's going to avoid it, like all of my marathon training, um, that's just not my jam. But if it is yours, that's cool too. just know that it can be dehydrating and impact sleep and recovery if it's over that one drink per night um, threshold. Caffeine is kind of in the same boat. So there's a point where it's an ergogenic aid and it can help our performance. There's also a point where it can mess with our gut health, um, cause GI distress, increase our anxiety and affect our sleep in a negative way. <laughs> so, you know, if you're, you know, kind of in the, the average person, you want to really, you know, aim for below about three to 400 milligrams of caffeine per day at baseline. Um, if you're someone who responds really well to caffeine and training, like you have some coffee in the morning and you feel like your runs are awesome, you don't have any GI distress, you can take caffeine, you know, sources of gels during your runs and you feel awesome and it doesn't cause GI distress. Um, some people find that if they kind of omit caffeine a couple days before their race, this can actually increase the positive effects of caffeine during their race. But again, this is something I'd recommend trying in training first, because some people can also experience caffeine withdrawal headaches, <laughs> um, and also experience GI distress if it's kind of reintroduced in a dramatic way. So it's something I'd practice and play with, but know that there is some anecdotal evidence, um, to that. If you're someone who's sensitive to caffeine and it doesn't affect you well, definitely avoid it in your taper period so that you can really maximize your gut health and sleep recovery. I really hope that this was helpful. Um, we talked about a lot of information here in rapid fire form. Um, hopefully you are feeling more confident about what to do during your taper, what not to do <laughs> during your taper when it comes to nutrition. And if you have any questions, you know, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram through the messenger feature, or you can send me an email at hsamuel at fitcookienutrition.com. If you're looking for more support with these types of topics, and you just really want to feel confident in your nutrition as a whole, as a runner, um, you know, especially in terms of your mindset around the whole thing, and what to incorporate that may not feel as intuitive all the time. My runner roadmap course is open or will be open for enrollment in October. So make sure you go check that out. You can use code podcast for 10% off of your purchase. And until next time, guys, happy running or happy tapering and good luck in all of your fall races. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.